granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello, underpants. That is hilarious. You should mouth do. Rate and review this podcast or my daddy will go into a deep depression. Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. Happy New Year, guys. Um, been gone for two weeks. A lot of holiday things. Renovating my kitchen. Lots of things happening. But uh, I'm back, guys. I'm back. And I'm back with one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, it's a Pittsburgh radio legend. If you guys don't know him, if you're not from Pittsburgh, one of the funniest people I know. He uh, is a stand-up comedian. He's like he's like he's like an uncle, but I don't want to call him uncle because it, it 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 makes him older. Uncle Jim, he's like you're like a big brother. You're Old like uncle a big Jim. brother. It's my buddy Jimmy Cren. Hey, bud, dude. Thanks for having me on, man. Love well, being on the show finally. Yeah, dude. I'm excited. Uh, Kick off the year too. Yeah, 16? and I just I just got off your show. Yes, every people, week. People know. I tell people all the time. Every Wednesday. Uh, yeah, man. Eight ten, eight fifteen. I'm on. Keep you on eight Cren to nine. That's eight to nine. Basically, yeah. you're like hang, you're hanging out and stuff, man. It's yeah. fun. I always fun. tell people Q92.9. You can listen on the Simple Radio app or on the website or Q92 has an app. Yep. Every morning, buddy. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it's it. It's fun times. It is easy. Isn't it fun and easy they're doing radio? It's Isn't so, it a blast for comedians? I love that it's a it's a bunch of comedians that I came up with and you, you know, you Jimmy's one of the first people that like... Are you? Am I allowed to? Is it corny for me to say like you discovered me in no, a way? No, that's cool. That's what I. I mean, I, I like. I like the idea of helping others and dude. You I, know, you're supposed to serve. I others. remember being at like an open mic and you and Gene Collier and Mike Wysocki were there. He used to run this thing in the strip at Fate, this nightclub, <laughs> and you were there hanging out. There wasn't many people there for the show, and I remember it was like my fifth time, tenth time performing, and I was like. Oh my God, Jimmy Krenz here, <laughs> and Gene Collier, and and Mike Wysocki. I was like, Oh my gosh! And I just remember you're like, Oh yeah, you're a funny guy. You should come on the radio. And I'm like, What? What? You pretty much you could see it, man. It's crazy. This is natural. And now it's I like, got a you know? segment on your show. Now you're on the radio all it's the crazy. time, and then national headliner, and you're doing all this great stuff, man. And it's something you could see. I think. I think it's like breathing for people. Uh, it's funny. I, I didn't. No one discovers anybody because you would have been found. I was just smart enough to see it first to put you on the, the show or something. <laughs> okay. I always think it that way. I think, oh, I'm yeah. smart enough to see it first. And, and, and you do. And you're in a posi- position to help people. You know, I remember when I first got known, was known. Yeah. It's funny. I grew up in Pittsburgh, obviously. And I was through the comedy club boom because I'm in 56. Right, yeah. So I'm talking in the 80s. So we're talking about a comedy club boom. We're four clubs in every city. Yeah. And so I got to headline and make a living as a stand-up right, right out of college. It's the only thing I knew Crazy. was doing comedy. And so I got to, you know, start as an MC about the second year, started the middle, about third year, started the headline. So the headline yeah. about three years and was ready to move out to LA. Uh, if any kind of national stuff, I'd be like more or less uh, guys like Rick Messina and people like that helped me, yeah. uh, and, you know, in New York, he was a New York guy, and but anyway, these clubs had chains, and we'd mm-hmm. we'd go all through the chains, and that's how I. Then I got the radio gig, it, but anyway, when I first got the radio gig, there's a billboard campaign, and I remember I'd take my grandmother to bingo, 
<laughs> every Wednesday, and we were driving through Northside area, and, and she lived in Shaler at that time, and the bingo's Southside. So we'd cut through Northside to go cut over the bridge to go to Southside. But anyway, it was this huge billboard when my name was like bigger than life. And I said, that's really wild. Look at that grandma. And she said, Say, grandson, uh, it's nice, but you always remember, serve others. That's where you always get your most joy. And she's right. So I always remember that and I always did that. Huh. Uh, you know, because that's what I meant about pay it forward a little bit. So you see someone, if you're in a position you can help, you just, it's not that you're doing it. You're just kind of like giving them a showcase. Yeah, yeah. Kind of give them an idea of uh, no, or, and or a platform, I guess. I, I think that's something that a, a lot of people appreciate about you and that's something you've always done is you've always kind of plucked out comedians from like the local scene in Pittsburgh and and honestly I think that you know Pittsburgh surging as a comedy town in the last five six seven years has a lot to do with you too I mean uh, all the guys that you've put on the radio you know that you uh, like I mean Wysocki and Terry Jones and Mike Sasson all guys that we were kind of friends with that were coming up and I mean they have radio jobs now you know and the comedians you put on the radio, and so yeah, you know. yeah, and Bill Crawford, all those guys, man. Yeah, because well, you know what? The, they were all all you guys are real funny, and you you did it on your own, and you're naturally funny. And like I said, I just happen to be, a, yeah, because of my lineage of of coming from that background, yeah, and having a stand up background, and then going in the radio, uh, it just gives me a little more. Just a little different insight, I guess. So yeah. you, you know how hard you know be doing stand up. You know how hard it is, and also you can pretty much tell pretty quickly. And I'm sure it's like that for maybe football scouts or whatever. And sure. say, you could tell if somebody's natural at it, like yeah. if they, it's like they're breathing, and it's not you know. So you kind of could almost see the potential. So with all you guys, it was pretty quick. I could see it. I like, go, oh, yeah, yeah, they, these guys, they, those guys are going to do it, and these guys are perfect for radio because. That that's also I think most stand ups are perfect radio. You have to think on your feet, you gotta develop yeah, sure. things, you gotta write. It's it's a it is definitely different, though. Not everybody can do it, but most guys sh- I, I like to give guys a shot at it anyway. Yeah. I mean I know I like I, I kinda I kinda joke saying like Uncle Jimmy or like a big brother, <laughs> but really like, you know, this is grown dad business. You kinda kinda are like a dad of comedy here. You really are. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I mean, you are you are like a, the like the father of comedy in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I, it's, it's, that's see a, how I'm bringing doing it. That's actually an honor. There. That's an honor. But I like that. Tr- but gotta, it's true, you know? though. It's like you got a lot of young guys that you've brought up and you've mentored. And when you're talking about like just being kind to people, and my my comedy motto now is be kind and be funny. That's it. That's it. it I'm be gives kind people and be their, funny. And if you're kind to someone, it gives them their their most potential, the open potential yeah. to succeed. And, and that's what that, yeah. you're getting out of the way. In other words, yeah. But it's in in business too. In business, you know, too. people are saying, true. "Oh, how do I get work as a comedian? How do I make my way?" Be kind to be funny. That's absolutely true. And, and and when you say be kind, it's kindness is not. That's the thing. Never you hate when people mistake kindness for weakness. As yes. kindness to me is strength. Weakness yep. is to eat, or I'm sorry, being dark, mean, nasty. Yeah, that's easy. Yes, it is. That's there's no effort there. Yeah, there's no chance. There's no risk there. Being kind in being in confident that that's where when I say risk I'm saying hey you don't worry about oh god that guy's gonna take my place that's, gonna, yeah. that's not what it's about it's about right. let those let that person be free to be themselves because you know what it's like when someone yeah tries to take that away from you that and freedom. I and I think that like you know I I say be kind and be funny I think that mm-hmm. that that's a lot you too and I I've learned that from you in a way where it's just like. People always say like, "Oh, Jimmy Kern is so nice to everybody and stuff like that." And it for me, be kind and be funny. I think you exude that because it's it's in personal life and it's in business. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, because in personal life, you're kind if you're kind to people and you make them laugh. You make them have a better day. But also in business, really, if you want to get up at a club, you want work. Right. Being kind down to the sound guy, to the staff, to the right. to the servers, the door staff. Respect then, for humanity. Yeah. And then you get on stage and you're funny. That's it. I mean, like, there's not a huge formula to getting work as a stand-up comic. No. I think, and that's why I break it down to be kind and be funny. And that's, it's almost like I want to give you the, the be kind, be funny award. Thank like you. you. really, dude, no. I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, I know I'm in, in your radio station and, you know, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, I don't have to, you know, butter no, you up for I anything. appreciate, no, I appreciate it, Eric, because that's, that's my goal, to do that. It always yeah. has, always is, because, you know, you start, like I said, it, it's, uh, it's a sense where you like, so you get out of the way of, of uh, giving people a chance to be themselves, and you know what? It makes you better, as you know, uh, when you're that way. When you have, when you face life that way, in general, it creates an energy that makes you better. Hmm. Like, a, for instance, hmm. I remember. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I remember there's a guy I, I work with from time to time through the years. His name's Tommy Gallus. You know Tommy. I Tommy's a good buddy. Brilliant. I was in one of his movies. We were, you were in that. I was in the two. Yeah, it's a great director and all that. Yeah. But anyway, he does these characters and he does these impressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a, a kid, uh, Tommy's got close to my age. But anyway, he'd come on the radio mm-hmm. and he'd do these characters and they were knockouts. Yeah. Just brilliant, genius stuff. And they were getting huge, like, reviews and people, you know. So he and I would play off of the characters. He and I would do the characters together. Yeah. And we were, like, playing basketball on a court. And I remember people saying, "Hey, man, aren't you? Why aren't you afraid, man? Why do you have that guy on?" It's like, isn't that? Isn't, you could take your place, man. You hear shit like that. Yeah. Like, oh, my lad's swearing. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. Uh, not harsh. But you know. But you hear stuff like that. And in, in, I remember saying that it's true. It's my that's my motto. I said, I said, I got, I got to be honest with you. And they said, I said, being around talented people mm-hmm. doesn't scare me. Being around untalented people yeah. scares me. Mm-hmm. And it's true. If Absolutely you're around right. talented people, they will make you better. Yeah. Tom McGalls made me a better everything, better Absolutely. impressionist, better character guy. When I'm around him, I have to be on my horse. I have to be the absolute best because he's that good. Absolutely. And he makes me better and it feeds off each other. Now, if you're around somebody who is, and there are people out there who know that, that maybe are faking it or not as good or they're whatever, those are the ones I'm uncomfortable around. Right. Those right. are the ones that are dangerous. Right. Because they're not, it's not natural for them. Right. They're the ones that have to resort to backstabbings yeah. and all the crazy stuff. Those that, people, not the talented ones. Yeah, yeah. Talented that's ones won't mess that's with funny you. because, like, you know, in 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 local comedy scenes, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, I do a lot of things in the Pittsburgh scene and you know, put shows together and things like that. And and I know that like some younger comics will be like, oh well, you know, Aaron just hangs out with you know Wysocki and <laughs> and you know Shannon Norman and his those are his friends and <laughs> you know blah, blah and I'm like. You know, and he puts them on shows. He puts his <laughs> friends on shows. And I'm like, well, I'm friends with really good comics. That's it. And I'm, you and it's it. like, it's like they get booked because they're really good. Right. And I'm friends with them because they're good people and they're good comics. That's the combination we, we were talking about. We build each other up. Right. You know what I mean? It just kind of happens naturally that way. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned it there because I always tell people too the same thing, younger people comedians or or even in business i think or anything because yeah. i've heard it before and even the three the three years i was off from radio yeah uh and i went more back into stand-up and mm-hmm. was was in los angeles more and, and delving into movies 
but I had learned a couple times where pe- heard people say, well, you know, it's who you know. You'd hear that sometime. Sure. It's all about who you know, you know. And I'd like, no, it's really not. Yeah. I don't believe that is. I think it is about developing your talent, developing who you are, and you'll attract people around you. Sure. It's you'll become a light and yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll just start to float around. You'll be able to make choices and the more you work on what you do, the more your choices you'll be able to make and, and those choices will be great. And, and maybe the observation is it's who you know, but that's not true. You just attract those yeah. people that are in those positions because you have worked on your craft. Yeah. it's. I've heard somebody, I don't remember who said this to me, but we were talking about like, oh, it's who you know in entertainment. It's who you know. And they said, and I remember them saying, yes, but it's not who you know. It's the company you keep. Yeah. And it's, so it's a little bit deeper than who you know. It's yeah. like, who do you have in your orbit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who do you have contributing to orbiting your solar system? You know what I mean? And, and if you have a... If you don't develop that, if you that got a bunch craft, of asteroids, I like it, analogies like yeah. that. If you got a bunch of asteroids in your solar system knocking into the planets, that messes it up. It messes up the planet. Well, but if you got to fine tune, you know. Well, for instance, I remember um, when I was before I went out to LA, mm-hmm. uh, I worked for a year and a half on my porch, and <laughs> my wife thought I was out of my mind. Yeah, I started working on this George Clooney impression, right. Uh, and uh, Liam Neeson, James Spader, Owen Wilson. I, I remember and, uh, sitting on your back porch talking through that you're stuff. You're with me. It's hilarious. And it took hours and hours and hours to work on those little things. And, and then we go to open stages, right? We'd go yeah. to this and working out. So there was an eight-minute set that I worked for a, a little over a year because I knew when I went to L.A. to do these showcase rooms. Sure, yeah. It had to be something that no one else was doing. Right. It had to be really something strong right. to get invited back to me. Mm-hmm. So... When I went to LA, my you know our friends like Mark Eddy, Frank Nicotero, great mm-hmm. comedians, they made some calls and to get on mm-hmm. to get on stage to get the showcase. Now, yes, okay, is that who you know? Yeah, because they're my friends and I, stuff. But, I, right, keep going. But this point you're making, I love. Yeah, and but the bottom line is, had I not done that year yeah. in uh, two three months of work to do that eight minutes, then they. I got invited back to every showcase mm-hmm. I did, and and they were actually hugged by the owners and uh, whatever the clubs at yeah. the show. It, but point I'm making is they can crack the door. It's up to you to knock it open. Absolutely, they give you the crack, but you got to knock it open. And if you don't, then there is there's nothing there. In other words, if it was just off me, just saying now, could I have called through yeah. friendship and just said, "Hey sure. guys, just put me on," yeah, and then did the same act maybe sure. I did eight year, a few years ago or whatever, yeah, and they would have been like, eh. You know, right. maybe no. You don't. That's not what it's about. It's about working, getting at the friend that does call. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, small yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. But ninety percent of it is the work you had to do. Absolutely. To make that guy, to make that guy proud of you, to they recommended you right. to crack to knock that door open. You got to bust the door open. You're absolutely right. I I tell that to people all the time about. You know, because I go to L.A. about four times a year. I do showcase spots, you know, just like you're doing. And mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, how'd you get in here? How'd you get in here? You know people. You know people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. People do make calls for me, get me a spot, you know. And then, and then it, you know, I know comics in L.A. It's all about, like, they just want to meet the manager just so they can make friends with them or meet their smooth the right comic. That's great. You can know as many people as you want. You can know the whole staff of a club. It's not going to get invited back. I mean, yeah, but you got to do it on stage. You got to do it on stage. You, or you'll you never get invited back. You can know everybody. 
You yeah. can know the the president of comedy. Right. It don't matter. They're not going to put you. You got to get on stage and you got to bring it. It costs. And that what them. you're saying is you're absolutely right. You got to be able to bring it once you get on stage. You got yes, absolutely. The relationships matter, sure. But yeah. once you get that spot, you better prove it because it's building a career, and that's where a lot of people don't understand. You're not just. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah, it's a building no. block, block yeah. by block by block in anything you do in life. And for instance, like the movie uh, uh, aspect of things, uh, it's a great director, Chris Robert, uh, uh, Rainmaker Films. Mm-hmm. And they did a small film. I did a film from, uh, with uh, Diego Bonetta and Ksenia Sola called Another You. Uh, and I had a small part, 30 lines. Uh, yeah. Did I get a break to get in that film to get that, those lines? Yes. Sure. But... I had I worked six months and I worked on those lines and I got it down to right you know studied yeah. everything did the you know diet into the weight they wanted me right. to whatever the look that they wanted whatever and, but you have to work to that one moment yeah and then you deliver those lines and you 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 have to knock it out of the park because if you don't you will that's a block like I said the building you you'll never work again yeah that would work that would go everywhere yeah that, oh my god he didn't get because there was somebody in that particular movie yeah. I don't say I don't even know their name speak, but there was somebody who had a small part and you know it cost them it cost them money to have to reshoot oh, that, yeah. that scene because yeah. that guy did have maybe it was you know not the right whatever it was something that was yeah. small but it, but it wasn't huge or anything but it was still it, it was something that had to be uh, redone, but the point I'm making is, if you want to work again, you, if you want to build your block or build a foundation, I'm saying, work, you better do the work. Yeah, man. be prepared when it's time. Be prepared and do the work. That's like, it, and in stand up too, people always say, you know, there's well, there's a couple bookers that book a big groups of clubs yeah. around the country. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's somebody that books the Funny Bones. You know, all that stuff. They book the chains. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And in you know, uh, there's bookers that book a lot of the Midwest. And I have comics always. They're like. Hey, uh, you know, can you give me their email? Can you let me know? You know I want to audition for them. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you realize if you're not ready and you get in front of them. You're done. Right. They're not going to talk to you for two years. Yeah. And that's one of the best advice I ever got, actually, from our friend John Evans. Mm-hmm. The, the Funny Bone Booker. I had a couple headliners that were going to vouch for me to get into the Funny Bones. This was years ago. And uh, John Evans told me, he said, hey, look. He said, you can do it now. He goes, but if you polish your 20, 25-minute feature set and maybe go in like eight or nine months, it'll make a difference. He a said, you, difference. you work on that showcase set, your feature set. And I'm telling you, because if, you, if he don't like you, he's not going to answer an email from you for at least a year. And I waited, dude. I waited eight or nine months. Until you're ready. Until I, and, and I had that down. And now I've been working the funny bones ever since. Well, here's the, you know, what I John related, Evans was right. He was right. You know, what I related to, uh, I was right that the, this whole thing, our career. Yeah. Cause I love boxing. Yeah. It's boxing. Oh, if you watch ring sure. magazine stuff. Okay. You have shots, but every box you go to the gym and you know, people can say political, they want, but everybody has a shot to right. get into the top 20 at right. some point. So you maybe got to beat a guy in the top 30 or 40 to get, to keep moving up. I'm saying, yeah, but, but comedy is the same thing. Like when you're doing those showcase rooms, I'm saying like in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. like those rooms I was talking about, well, that was my boxing in the top 10. I'm fighting in the top 10. In other words, you're in these major league rooms, showcase rooms. Right. If you don't do great, that's like losing your boxing match in the top 10. What does that do? That drops you to number 40, 50, 60. Right. And it takes you 
you're right. It's exactly what I told my wife and people huh. were at talking. It takes you two years. So it would take me yeah. two years to get back at another shot in a top 10. And you got to just work to get back there. It's not mm. just you're automatically just going to forget. You better work hard right. to get back in that position again. Right, right. So that's how big it is for, for comedians. Sure. Is that it's like that. You have one shot at the top 10 or you will step back for two to three years. Right. That's how long that takes. You're absolutely. absolutely. So, so that's how important it is to be ready. Yeah, because if you're not ready, then you're getting you get knocked out. You're done. Absolutely. I uh, so I'm thinking about you know uh, this you know growing that business and yeah. it's 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 really like I, I'm going to tell people like this is you're really like the dad of Pittsburgh comedy. I mean, really, there's I mean, I love it. So like in real Thanks. life, you're you're not a dad. No, like, you don't have kids. <laughs> Maybe that's why I get to want to look out for people. Maybe I think that's so. My, that's, I uh, think you uh, have paternal that, instinct. You know, or something, you've, huh? you've been you've been you know you've you really it's like you love your you know your wife your career and your dogs and then it's like yeah no, i love and, my little nieces and cousins yeah. stuff i love children we've yeah. never had them never blessed with them i always say it is blessing people to have them sure but, uh and i do love them with all my heart you know they're, they're so be- they're the closest thing to god children and uh but it is fun but you're right i think that's the paternal instinct that in in people that to try to take care of people i think we all have that instinct sure and i i do admire the moms and dads, though, that's real work, man. I have my cousins. It's like work. I can't, I'm like whooped after watching them for seven hours. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how it's, moms And my wife's at home right now with three. That's what I'm saying. How did they do it's, that? I don't know. She's a special person. My She's an angel. Yeah. I, I'm serious. I am really my mentally, wife's an angel. more physically and mentally whooped yeah. than doing an hour concert with watching it's my crazy. little nieces. And yeah. they're awesome. They're so fun. But it is work. Man. Oh, it's bananas. It's bananas. And I, I always joke around like. <laughs> you got to be on it. I feel like every time on the radio, I, when I mention your dogs, I always mention huh. some crazy. And I'm like, yeah, Jimmy has 104 dogs or whatever. Oh, like, crazy. you like. Uh, so I want to know, like, how how did you? Uh, well, there's a lot of classic bits about you growing up. Yeah, tons of classic bits. I mean, the altar boy huh. thing is one of your best bits of all time. <laughs> people can. I, I mean, I know people that can recite it yeah. like word for word. But like, how did you? Do you have brothers and sisters? No. You're I, an only child. Only child. I you, thought so. But it's funny because in a strip district for- And you grew up in like a in an area of Pittsburgh that's like, for people that don't know, like an old market district type of, you know- Yeah, rough, tough. Flowers, butcher shops, you know, yeah. stuff like Truck that. Truck drivers. Yeah. It was uh, right behind the Heinz History Center in Pittsburgh. Go in that alley. That's where I grew up. Yeah. Above American Equipment. Now, most people in my family lived above these places, rented. We were very poor. Uh, the wholesale pl- people, it was twofold. One, we rented, it was like an alarm system because if someone broke in, or yeah. we someone was living upstairs, to say someone's pretty. And two, supplemented a little bit of income. We didn't pay much, I'm sure. My mom, dad, family. Like my grandma lived in an American restaurant, bar and grill. We lived above American equipment. Uh, I had other relatives live uh, down the street. Now, if you look on 14th Street, it's all parking lot now. Yeah, right. And it goes all the way for two blocks, like a parking lot. That was all row houses. Yeah, that was all row houses. And the yeah. church owned those. And the church wow. uh, rented those to poor. To, we were poor, and they rented those to families. And my yeah. all of my family were there. Like my aunt, and I grew up. I had my aunts, uncles, cousins within a two block radius. Everybody. So wow. if we went to my grandmother's house on Sunday for church after church or something, there would be 25, 30 people in there, her place. Wow. Eating whatever. It's always some kind of food and whatever. Chip but there was all, yeah, chip tam, this and that, whatever. And, and they were all there and, and they were all age groups. Like my yeah. uncles actually were, and aunts were 
most of them are like in a 10 year, maybe 10 year older, 10 years older, 15 years, you know, it's not yeah. unbelievably older. And I have cousins around my age. So, so they were kind of like brothers and sisters in a way. So I always had people around me and a lot of adults. And I also had a lot of characters in the strip. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was a character, whether it was a person watching the parking lot, the guy who was maybe at the, you know, at the bar and restaurant I was a janitor at. And you'd have a lot of, a lot of homeless people because yeah. they come in on a train. Sure. They were different. They were hope. They were interesting characters, almost like Richard Pryor's Mudbone characters. You yeah, run into yeah, people yeah. like that, and so b- between all those people, all those colorful adults, man. Yeah, I just started get developing. Yeah, and that were, like, were you? I'm trying to correct me if I'm wrong. From knowing your some of your stories, were you like the young younger kid of a lot of the family? Yes, like I was you were like a little one. Little, yeah, you were Baby little Jimmy. Jimmy. Little Jimmy. Yeah, you were little Jimmy. So you're yes. in this. You know, you're half the size of everybody else. Oh yeah, a little quiet. It, it is kind of like like you'd imagine this as like a cartoon. So I was like I got this, to observe being quiet. Yeah, you're just this little kid, and you're seeing every all these characters around you, I was, I was, and that's crazy. I very rule like I was very rule conscious, conscious because I grew up Catholic and strict yeah, Catholic. Yeah. That is, so I was following the rules. But anyway, I blend in. I think here, mm-hmm. and I think by blending in. Uh, I was able to really observe, man. It was weird how I could observe people. Sure. And I had this thing where I remember when I was about 12, I don't know why, I just started, was at a, one of our family functions, and I started joking. Somebody saw me doing an impression of like my Uncle Ed. <laughs> and they said, Jimmy, do your Uncle Ed. So I yeah. did him, and the whole family starts laughing. And they go, do do Uncle Jim. I have a bigger... Uh, big Jim, we call it. I was little Jim as big. Yeah. Do big so I did. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing these impressions and care of our relatives. And people were literally crying. And I was, it's interesting. And how me. old were you? Like 12. Yeah. 13. I'm 12 years old. Yeah. And I remember going, this is really wild. And I mean, I literally would have them crying, like literally crying. I remember my, my uncles and aunts and stuff literally buckling over. And so I just keep doing it. So I said, yeah, Uncle, yeah. there's Uncle Ed at the Christmas party. Yeah. And I do him dancing or something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and I do this, and then they were just out of their minds. It was almost crying. like it was almost like a way for little Jimmy to kind of Come like out. be like, yeah. "Hey, hey, I'm here too." Like, "I'm hey," and it, you know, they're like, power. "Hey, little was, Jimmy's funny." Yeah, and it like, was it's an odd thing. Was it a thing where you were like always just a little kid in the back, like, and every you got all these gregarious adults and characters. very quiet. Yeah, even yeah. in my peers, other kids, I was real yeah, quiet. Yeah. So it's like you get a point where you can just be like, "Hey, I can get attention in this room." And I started to do it around my friends, kids yeah. at school, and I got attention. And it was weird because I was like, it was like a power thing. Like I could have a, yeah. it was like I had a power, like a superpower kind of thing. Yeah. And I literally could make people laugh. And I used to sit there and think, I wonder if I can get them to cry. I'd sit there and think that. And I'd keep <laughs> at And I'd keep at it. I'd if make, I can make them laugh. Yes, yeah, so I want to make I them laugh to the cry. cry. I want to make them laugh so hard they cry. Can they do that? Oh, okay. And I would, as a game, yeah. I would do it. And they would. And then I, was, then I started to get this knack for impressions around 13, 14. And then all of a sudden, you know, people would have me doing it all the time, like friends and stuff would have me doing impressions. I could do impressions almost of anybody. So, so I'd watch someone on TV and I did whatever, and I'd watch friends and family. Now I get to high school, 17 yeah. years old, senior year. Our talent show is in the beginning of the year, yeah. September. That's just how it was at North Catholic. And my buddies signed me up for it. Really? John Jordan, Jim Hickey. Like, I can't do this. 
They said, you got it. You're doing it. We're signing you up, man. You got to do your impression. They said, you're doing it. You're going to do all the football coaches. Like, I can't. Oh, I, do the, I did the coaches. We had a, this Southern coach. We had this, they were really great coaches, but they were badass, tough. Yeah, Real yeah. tough guys. And they used to do a Southern guy. And they'd had him, you know, he was a great coach, but they like had him as teaching health, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And I even had that observation. <laughs> and, I yeah, a, yeah. and I had this whole thing was, man, Mr. Mr. Dean, really, today we're going to talk about VD. And I had this whole thing about this. Yeah. They would cry and stuff. But anyway, uh, I, I can't do it. And they said, yeah. So they signed me up and I said, you know what? I don't know what it was in me. I said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So, and this was a, you know, because they had always had the little girl who could sing. Opera, amazing. Oh, they had sure. the kid who's a concert pianist, and they had right. a violinist. And they had the, the, Meanwhile, you, know, you never even met these kids in school. No. Like, where did these kids come where from? Where did these talented kids come from? Who's so this seven-year-old that can play violin? There's like, there's like 20 <laughs> kids going to be in this I thing. Know, right? And I'm like, how am I going to name a band? But anyway, yeah. so I go, I'll never win this thing. So I, anyway, I go into the teacher's lounge, and I was smart enough, I was respectful enough to ask the coaches to do it. And they go, go ahead, do him. And I do the one coach, and the others would laugh. And I yeah. do the. So they said, the head coach goes, all right, and, uh, Ron Hughes, Mr. Hughes. He goes, all right, Karen, go ahead. You can do it. I go, thank you, Mr. Hughes. So I go out. The next day, I do the talent show. It was during the school hours in the morning, whatever. And all the 20 acts, I was like, it was like Napoleon Dino. I'm not kidding. I was the last act like oh Napoleon. Gosh. I walk out, my head down. I do that for seven, eight minutes. I got a four minute standing ovation. That's so crazy. And it was like unbelievable, man. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That was me. it. That was it. I had the bug. I was like, I just can't believe I got a four minute. You were 17. Yeah. And, and I got the standing up. I want to know what, who is, I know you did a lot of relatives and stuff like that. Who mm. were the first celebrity impressions you started doing? It was uh, Nicholson. That's fine. You know, Jack, uh, you know, younger, you yeah. know, the Cuckoo's Nest was just starting. and The Shining you know, and the stuff. The Shining was just about coming next, but this was, Cuckoo's Nest was there at the time. You know, this is uh, uh, Sandy Koufax, uh, <laughs> curveball, snapping like a firecracker, whatever. So Nicholson was yeah. one of the first ones as a little kid. I walked out of theater, St- uh, Stallone. Uh, walked out of Rocky and I went to a telescope and Link, you know. It started doing, but I didn't do the parody. I did them speaking and uh, the voices, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that was the difference I always thought. I said, I don't want to do them as um, uh, speaking. So that was the thing, not to, because I, I, even as a kid, I noticed. And that's what, funny, like, as a 12, 13 year old, and you're doing like Stallone and Jack Nicholson, people got, are like, this kid is hilarious. It was crazy. Because it, it's, it's stuff that you're like, you're, you shouldn't know that. I shouldn't be known that at 17. You, and and yeah. what happened was, even you know, 17. Well, what happened was at 17 is now, there's a show, you're too young to remember, it's called The Gong Show. I know it. I mean, it I know Chuck it. Barris, and yeah. it was Chuck Barris, it was huge. So what happened was The Gong Show was bars, bars started to have them in Yeah, Pittsburgh. right, right, right. So my buddies, Kenny Oldensky and, and Tommy Barker and all my boys. Good old Kenny Oldensky. And he'd say, you know, hey, Jimmy, there's a, you know, Blarney Stone, whatever bar it was, yeah. or, you know, at the time, they say they're having a they're having a gong show. Yeah. And it's a $50 first prize. I'm like, all right. And he said, you know, they probably won't question us. Like, they won't card us if you sign up. Sure. And he didn't. So we went in, me and my buddies, and they never said, hey, are you guys tw-? They just, maybe they needed people. I don't know. But sure. I sign up. And there'd always be like eight or ten people. And there's always somebody who could sing like a karaoke, I guess, in those yeah, days, yeah. version of whatever. I wish I could go back then and see this. Oh, my God. The, I just. The characters I could be. Ugh. But anyway. Kenny and I and all the boys, they were all over. They were about every week there was, there was a gong show somewhere in the city. Yeah. But anyway, I won 17 first places in a row. And uh, Kenny like counted every week? Yeah, Kenny counted them as like a, well, we, we don't go every week. We go every, maybe every, yeah, we go like every other week because we, yeah. get, you know, get beer money. 
from from the yeah. prize. We'd fifty bucks or whatever. I it was always yeah, food yeah, and yeah. drink. So we would go all the time. But boys would like, you know, let's go win it and we'll we'll drink and eat. And I'm like, okay. And then it was, it was fine for me. And I do yeah. my you know seven minutes, minutes. But yeah, I won seventeen in a row. As I remember Kenny saying, "You'd count them. He'd count them. He'd wow. say, Jimmy, sixteen, fifteen. See how many." So. Then I won at uh, went to community college. I won a talent show there. I went to IUP. Won a talent show there. So so I won. Always, so I kept thinking, how do you do this for a living, though? How do you do this yeah, for a living? Yeah. When did you? How did you push this into stand up? Because think about it, this is 1980, man. Yeah. This is like 83. I'm graduating college. Yeah. And and stand up then is like it's different. There's no. There's I no. Mean, there's you, the, how many stand ups do you know at that time? Zero. Four? None at that I mean, time. I, really? Oh, local. Like, yeah. No main, local. Dennis mainstream, Miller here in Pittsburgh. But like um, you know, now you could rattle off. A dozen stand-up comics. Now people are like uh, George Carlin, Bill Cosby. Yeah, the like big at that time. At that time exactly. Mean, who, do you, who do you know? You Steve know, Martin. And the weirdest thing about it, and I always, I always dreamt of doing it. And um, it wasn't ex- as accessible. It was not accessible. I, I never thought I could do it for a living. Right. I thought if I could do comedy for a living, wow, right? That would be the greatest thing that could ever happen. Yeah. And I, and I never thought of. I studied. I got a bachelor of science in business from IUP. Even as a young adult, I didn't think I could do it for a living. Sure. I think it was possible. And I remember. As a kid, the one time I dream, I dream about it though. And I remember as a kid, uh, around that time, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, I would. Uh, the Tonight Show was on Johnny Carson, and I watched this guy, and I and I, and this guy's name was uh, Miller, George Miller, I think his name. He he was he passed away. He was okay. a friend of David Letterman's and all. Yeah, but 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 redheaded guy, mm-hmm. like kind of, and he was a good comic. But I just I don't know why, but I remember watching him, and I remember Carson. Uh, talking to him, Johnny Carson, and I remember Johnny Carson going over his itinerary. Like, yeah, you know, you're going to be at uh, this comedy club, and uh, uh, a very funny man is going to be in Laguna Beach. Blah blah blah. I'm going through, yeah. and I'm like, that must be the coolest thing to be able to go right. to those clubs, those comedy clubs. They said, yeah. I said, that must be. What's that man? That guy. That's amazing. This guy. How, how can do he? Do that? How does he do that for a living, man? That's so cool, man. So anyway, fast forward years, nineteen uh, eighty. Now, this is praying like this is in 77, 78. I'm seeing right. this thing or whatever this guy did. But anyway, fast forward to 83, 84. I'm out of college. Pittsburgh Comedy Club opens. It's been open maybe a year at this point. Yeah. I was just got out of IP. Dennis Miller's starting to go on the road a little bit. Yeah. So they are now, they audition people to MC. They need an MC. Sure. While Dennis was on the road because he was a house MC. Right. So, like, a, you know few dozen people audition. I come in, I audition. I, I got it. The guy goes, yeah. hey, you got it, man. I said, oh, wow. Because I've been working on my act while I was sure. at IUP. Uh, did, I do charities and everything just to get, yeah. I got a little act together, 15, 20 minutes. And I'd won those talent shows off right. of some material and stuff that I wrote. But anyway, so I get the job. And I said, when do you start? He goes, you start, uh, it was, you start in two weeks on St. Patrick's week. It was March, whatever, 82, yeah. 83, whatever it was in your year. And that comedian was the headliner that I saw on tonight's show. That, Get that Miller guy, out of George here. Milligan, yeah. He was the comedian. Wow. And he has passed away since, but I followed his career a little bit because huh. of that weird thing. And I went, so I got to meet him. He was a nice enough guy, a little standoffish, yeah. but you know, how it is when you meet him. <laughs> but anyway, that was the guy yeah. that I opened for. I was so, so weird that that was the same guy. And I dreamt about that. And I thought, that's so weird. And uh, but anyway, the immediately at that time, I just graduated, the, com- the comic club started booming. They yeah. started getting these franchises, Tickles. Chuckles, all these weird things, and, yeah. and, and these guys like owned they'd own different uh, 
they all own different chains. So you have you'd have yeah. maybe these two girls own like ten clubs in the sure. Northeast. Yeah, you'd have these people that own seven clubs in Florida. You'd have agent an agent or someone people can twenty clubs through right, New York. Right. Well, anyway, it's a small little group of people. Once you got out there and got your name going, yeah, it was. It was a joke. If you had a great press kit, you weren't a good comic. In other words, you just need a headshot and and, and a word of mouth. Right. Uh, Yeah, so-and-so says you're good, send your headshot. That was how it was. Still kind of works like that. Yeah, it's a small community. So anyway, uh, yeah, I started working like crazy because there was three, four clubs in every city. So that's how it started, in other words. It was that. It was like the the, I just, from the Pittsburgh club to the boom, I was part of that comedy club boom. Right. And I was lucky. Right place at the right time. Right place to make a full-time living. To start doing stand-up by, what, 83, 84? 83. And it just blew up. I was a full-time comedian from 83. and never made it. Never had. I never had a job other than being comedy. Since I mean, then. radio, which is comedy. I do so, comedy. Yeah, right. But I've only been worked. I've only worked as a comedian my whole life, luckily. That's crazy. At this, you know. That's For crazy. the last 30-some years, whatever it's been. And, yeah. now, and now you're the dad of Pittsburgh comedy. Now I get to be the dad of Pittsburgh comedy. You are. I like You really that. are. I like that. It is. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, you and know, nice knowing, kids. Yeah. No, it's amazing knowing that, like, your process. And I know a lot of people are excited to hear that because you don't get a chance to talk about it. You know, you're always being funny for a living. You got to do your job. You know, even yeah. though you have funny stories about childhood yeah. and stuff. And uh, no, I was excited to kind of kind of spin that around. And, like, you, you are the dad of Pittsburgh comedy. Well, you know, it's funny because doing all that through those comedy club days and stuff, and then. Yeah. Then getting the gig in, in here in Pittsburgh and radio, which is where I grew up after being on the road and stuff, you know, you realize that, you know, you try to do you try to do for others that respect of humanity, uh, and you always remember. I always remember all the people that were nice to me and stuff like that. Right. So, so you think, well, that's the way you should be, man. Absolutely, so you should do that. And I always admired people. I always admired people that helped others like that. Right. That, that kind of comp to me. To me, I always saw them as confident. I always looked yeah. up to those people as like confident and stuff. Well, and that's why I want to be. That was my role models. It definitely is a know. do unto others. Yeah. I mean, I I always see that too. Like, you know, if I ever do something for somebody or whatever, you know, I, and trust me, we're not trying to paint some picture like we're some, you know, no, like, but I know no, you're but, you got but, it. But you know, that's the way you should be. That's the way it should be, right? The that, right way to be. You know what that's I would say? Like people are saying, oh, thanks. You didn't have to do that. I go, that's what you do, dude. That's what you do. You know, that's I, how this works. Yes. You know what I mean? You'll reach a point where a young comic will, you know, you'll see somebody and you'll say, hey, come on. And they'll be like, well, no, that's what you do. That's just how it works. My grandfather was like that kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. This kind of guy was. And I got to tell you, man. He didn't have any money, but I had never seen anybody have a peaceful look on his face like him. Like, mm. you know what I mean? It's like he was always mm. content, man. Yeah. He had happiness. He could. He knew how to, like, just eat a bowl of ice cream. It was the most incredible thing. <laughs> He's probably finding mindfulness without even knowing he found it. He was yeah. a truck driver. But he was, but he was the most balanced yeah. guy, and he had a euphoric way about him that it was, like, so peaceful, man. Huh. I mean, I noticed that's what he did. Mm. He treated people always with respect yeah. and always was a good guy and tried to do the right thing. And sure, he wasn't perfect, but he tried to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I think that's the key. That yeah. was the key to me watching it. Absolutely. Because I've seen people with money and had other stuff, right. and they were unhappy as hell. Right. They were roller coaster. You'd see them distraught or depressed. And different. But these, the guy who was the most steady guy was the guy who treated people with respect and kindness in my role model of watching that and mm-hmm. he's right as you get you know saint paul says i'll show you a happy man I'll show you someone who's helped someone and that's the way it, it, it is true to pay it forward wow do I, do it, right? I like it's when true. we get deep on here i know man this is deep. i'm gonna i'm it's a b- heavy show before i leave i, I want i just want to say one thing like this is you know grown dad business yeah 
we talked about you know you being the dad of Pittsburgh comedy, and mm-hmm. you know I and I want to thank you because you're one of those people. Some I've talked about it on the sh- on my on my podcast. Like I, I didn't have a dad growing up, but I've had m- men in my life who have mm-hmm. kind of taught me how to be a man. And I think yeah. you are on that village. List. Thank you, man. It's you are. Well, it's, it's when I reached a up that point in stand up comedy. There was there was there was a couple people that kind of stood up and took the spot of like, hey, let me show you. And you were one of those guys. And I really appreciate that. That. You know, and I always be encouraging to people that some people grow up with a single mom and there's yeah. they don't have a dad in their life. And so there's always it's amazing when kind of God puts someone in your life that helps you along that part of the journey. Yeah, you know what the I mean. Universe, yeah, it is. God has it a, is. It is amazing. We're all we're supposed to be, right? And, and, I know you're not and, supposed to say like, oh, it's true. God's God, hey, no, God does. I think hey, there, look, there's a way. To people are us around together. for a reason. I think He puts us together. Yeah. And he gives us freedom of choice. Yeah, and I believe in it. I do believe yeah. in God. I'll you know. The, yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think you know. Uh, uh, part of your yeah and how else would you pay it forward uh, sure you know with, unless you had we all have to have role models i think we do yeah and that's why it's an honor at that and i and i accept that you yeah, know, yeah. I, I, that's what i wanted that's the goal to do that to try to, sure. to try to do the right thing sure you know, we're not we're all you know not perfect but at least try to do the right thing because you know then you have the responsibility to help the next person Absolutely. That's, how, that's how we end up having a great society I think. be kind and be funny right? be kind be funny it's that easy <laughs> and you're the funniest when you're kind, kind yeah most kind, i think dude i i can't you know? uh i can't thank you enough all man. right brother thank I you appreciate man it. oh anytime man. jimmy cren uh anytime let's do it again you can always listen to jimmy's radio show even if you're not from pittsburgh q92.9 pittsburgh jimmy cren morning show mm-hmm. uh you can stream it on a simple radio app q92.9 pittsburgh has their own app yeah. Uh, you can yeah. W- listen to it on their website. Yep. Uh, Jim Cren has a podcast, No Restrictions. No Restrictions, man. Check uh, it out. You got all kinds of stuff. Jim Cren, JimCren.com. <laughs> you can always see him live around the area here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot more shows. Be out, I'll be out live a Lots lot more of fun than stuff. 16. So, you know, we're doing you some tons more. of stuff. Loving going. doing stand up again more. So, thank Love you, brother. Stuff. Proud of you, too, brother. Keep it up, I'm brother. Proud of you. And I, and I want to see the new kitchen when it's done. Oh, my <laughs> God. Help me. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, thanks, brother. Thank hey, you, brother. I hope everyone out there has a great uh, year this year. All right, buddy. Thanks, buddy. All right. All right be kind. Be funny, guys.